0: Welcome to Bully Banter. This is Theo DeRosa, sports editor with The Dispatch, here with Colin Dams and Alex Murphy as we start gearing up toward baseball and softball season, but so much else happening in Mississippi State land. Football National Signing Day was yesterday, Wednesday, February 1st. Basketball, men's and women's in full swing right now. A lot of stuff going on. First off, you know, Alex and Colin, how are you guys doing and uh, what are you guys most excited for as February gets started?
1: um happy february uh i i think what is it punks phil i think he saw his shadow today so for whatever stupid tourist thing that is congrats to the people who went out to pennsylvania for that um i'm doing pretty good uh really really excited for baseball and softball season i know that basketball season's wrapping up i know we had national signing day this week yesterday to talk about but yeah definitely excited for uh for baseball and softball I, i mean especially because it It's like the perfect coinciding thing with pitchers and catchers reporting for Major League Baseball. So it's, you know, for me, it's my favorite time of the year because people uh, will hopefully start directing their attention towards the more important sports that are happening in the sports calendar.
0: I agree. But obviously, you know, a lot of interest in uh, football locally. Mississippi State bringing in a pretty good signing class yesterday, adding eight more players to the class. From what you guys have seen from the guys they signed in December, the guys they signed, including a lot of transfers yesterday. What do you think of this signing class? Is it missing anything anywhere? Or do you feel like it's, you know, covering the bases that State needed to pretty well?
2: I, I mean, I think it's pretty well-rounded. Um, the, I, th- I think it's a reflection of uh, one of the benefits of keeping Zach Arnett as head coach and that he was able to keep so many of these players that they've spent a, a long time recruiting, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and it really paid off the work that they did um over Ole Miss in kind of getting ahead of the game on some of these recruits. Uh, I think Jonathan Davis was one of the big signing day wins for them. Um, and Kelly Jones as well. Uh I think he was an early signing day period, but he he and Davis are kind of the risers in this class that Mississippi State got in ahead of Ole Miss on, and that work paid off. I think. Ole Miss didn't offer Kelly Jones until kind of later. So for a four-star safety coming in for Mississippi State, a team that has prided itself on developing players on the defensive side of the ball, it looks really good. And then I, I think on offense, too, some of the transfers really stick out. Um, Ryland Ryland Goda? Guda good. God? I don't know how to pronounce his name, but coming in from Georgia, tight end, he was a four-star coming out of high school. So very talented prospect there if they can – uh, work with him and you know turn him into a tight end one. Freddie Roberson coming in from Eastern Washington, a school kind of known for developing wide receivers. Um, and uh, Jacoby Albert, an athlete coming in from Kentucky, who was a four-star recruit out of high school as well and transferring after just one year. So um, that's all exciting. And the one that kind of surprised me and I wanted to maybe get some discussion on was Mike Wright coming in from Vanderbilt because not only was he playing well at Vanderbilt and probably would have kept being the starter there, but he's an interesting fit for if Mississippi State want to continue this kind of air raid centered offense, which Arnett has indicated he would.
0: Yeah, it sounds like from what Kevin Barbet was saying yesterday, they're kind of going to transition to a pro style offense. Now, I don't think that means they're going to eschew the passing game completely. You know, Barbet was saying a lot about how they're going to tailor the scheme to the players that they have, which, you know, they have some good receivers with to uh to griffin and uh rufus harvey coming back jaden wally's there too you have obviously will rogers who's a pretty effective distributor you have the passing talent and now you're getting some tight ends on the roster to still pass the ball but you're going to see more runs i mean state ran 23 times a game the least in power five and fbs in fact i think you're going to see that number go up the passing attempts number go down they're going to try to find some more balance and i think transition a little bit away from the air raid which you saw some of the limitations of the air raid over the past couple seasons. I think it's probably good for them if they can effectively run what Barbate wants them to run.
2: Yeah. And um, it, it even seemed like the way Mike Leach was recruiting, he was kind of accepting that as an eventual transition of this offense. Cause I mean, if Chris Parson or Mike Wright is the future quarterback, both of them have kind of the talent to extend plays and, you know, Mike Wright, especially uh, to run and take advantage of running situations. Um, and, you know, a lot of the players that they seem to be targeting and recruiting uh, and a lot of the def- op, um, attention that they pay to developing offensive linemen, I think that would pay off in the running game as well.
1: Yeah, I did want to mention when it comes to looking at the overall recruiting, it's it's funny because when you look at I mean, when you're looking at 24 seven, you look at where Mississippi State is at a national scale, you know, being being a top 35 class in the, in the country is really impressive. Um, And I think that's kudos to what Arnett and the coaching staff was able to do this year. I mean, again, really, really interesting and really unprecedented um, just a scenario that they're currently in right now. And they've done really, really well to, um, you know, to make the most of it um, for what it's worth. I mean, you get four, four stars in um, three of those are coming on the defensive side. Not surprising at all being that Mississippi state, um, you know, has been one of the better defenses, just not only in the sec, but just in the country in recent years, you can see that by the guys that they've been able to put into the NFL that a lot of them are more defensive, um, you know, uh, you know, guys on the defensive side of the ball. So that's not shocking, but being that it is the sec, They're like them being in the top 35 in the country is really, really impressive, but in the sec, they're towards the bottom of it. Um, So that part's a little bit concerning. Maybe I don't know for sure. I do think that the guys that they brought in are really, really impressive. And again, like I said, you look at the top of that with the defensive guys that they were able to bring in really, really impressive players. Um, Some of them that we've already seen, but like calm was talking about with Kelly Jones. I mean, we already, um, Isaac Smith was was someone who signed in November so that was a you know or November December so that was a really impressive guy but you know that's stuff that are I, I guess two out of the four because I don't know if uh, Creed uh, Whitmore if he is both defensive and offensive because it just lists him as an athlete so I don't know where he is specifically in there but you know that's good to get those guys in and I think consistency um, along the table is going to really, really help this team moving forward. But yeah, I think overall good signing day. I think that they did a lot of good things and again, kudos to what the coaching staff was able to do in such unprecedented circumstances with the program.
0: Yeah. I think the signings of Smith particularly and Whitmore, who's a wide receiver. I think that's where he was signed at. Going to really help, especially when you get some of that offensive talent with a lot of the wide receivers leaving, you know, Caleb ducking is out of eligibility. Robert Thomas transferred. You're losing some guys from this year's team on that end. Smith, obviously a two-way guy at Itawamba, but he's going to play defense, and it's a really good safety. I think that's a really good add for them to keep him in state. I know LSU was rumored to have interest. I know you said, you know, they're toward the bottom of the SEC, tends to happen with state, but they have a history, especially on defense, of getting the most out of these three, four-star players. So if Mm -hmm. they can just do that with three or four of these guys, I mean, that'll probably be enough to make this a really solid class.
2: I think the the ranking is, I mean, obviously it's a reflection of how good the SEC is just in general. And, you know, Oklahoma and Texas coming in one or two years is not going to help that. But um, the fact that they have been able to, you know, continually turn good on these prospects, I think – I, I personally and you know I'm biased because I'm from around here and all three of us you know watch these players and keep track of them throughout the season but it does seem like Mississippi recruiting is a little bit underrated because even when some of these players do earn that third or fourth star uh, a lot of these other schools are kind of behind the game on it when Southern Miss Ole Miss and Mississippi State have kind of been keeping track of them for a while and um, but but yeah, d- defensively, and I think at defensive back especially, this is a really strong class. Not just high school players coming in, but uh, transfers as well. Uh, Chris Keys coming in from Indiana, Kamari Rogers, uh, a freshman four star, coming in from Miami, and then Radarius Jones coming in from LSU. I mean, I, I think people on the defense, I think players on the defensive side of the ball have kept track of what Mississippi State has been able to do over the years.
0: Yeah, Rodgers, I remember, I don't think I was able to watch him. I think he torn his ACL by the time they played West Point in the playoffs, but I think he was maybe a five-star at one point. He was the best recruit in the state. Obviously, he went to Miami, didn't really play much, got injured. Having him and having Radar Jones from Horn Lake, from LSU, those are two big impact transfers as well, and they're going to need him in the secondary on a team that lost Emmanuel Forbes and all three safeties. So we'll probably see Smith play right away and probably some of these transfer
1: guys as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's incredibly important to note, like what Cam was talking about, that, you know, a lot of their recruiting has been in-state. And I think it's been important to say, you know, to look at the fact that when they've been able to do stuff in-state, a lot of those guys have worked out. So they're clearly looking at the right players within Mississippi that have helped them to become successful and stay successful.
0: Mm-hmm. Good timing about that. We've got uh, Michael Katz from the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Michael covers Ole Miss, and uh, they had a signing day, too. Michael... What did Ole Miss do yesterday, and uh, what's their recruiting looking like at the moment? Mostly transfer portal based, I would imagine.
3: Yeah, not a not a huge shock that the uh, the quote unquote portal king uh, opted for for a lot of portal guys, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think there were only there were three high school guys uh, that they got yesterday, and uh, a bunch of portal guys. The the headliners being a couple of quarterbacks and in, in uh, Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders, and uh, Walker Howard from LSU. Obviously, uh, you can't help but uh, think about what the quarterback position is going to look like next year. It's it's always an adventure. Uh, You know, Jackson Dart had his ups and downs, but uh, I think overall he was pretty good as a true sophomore. Um, Lincoln didn't necessarily answer the question of whether there's going to be a quarterback battle, um, but said he's he's happy the the position group is in a lot better spot than it's been. And, uh, you know, when you look at it as if you're trying to build the best roster possible, um, sometimes you just you, you gotta add guys if they're there so it's uh there's always something to talk about uh with 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 Ole Miss and uh this is this is certainly this is going to be a conversation I think for the next few months
0: you probably thought this question was over but who's going to play quarterback for Ole Miss uh, who do you think is going to win that job
3: you know I, I I think it will end up being Jackson dirt I I, I think that his like he's you got to remember last year, not just from him being you know, 19 or whatever he was, but uh, he was coming from an air raid system, learning a completely new offense. Uh, yeah, he took his lumps, but there were moments where he looked really, really good. And so uh, I, I know it is a little odd to bring in a guy like Spencer Sanders, who's a veteran, uh, who's a four-year starter at Oklahoma State, it was first team all Big 12, all that stuff. Uh, You know Walker Howard makes some sense because you know you didn't get a a freshman uh, high schooler in this class, so bringing a guy who's who kind of serves that role as the maybe the guy of the future. But uh, it's I I think it'll be dark. But Sanders is you know you have to imagine he didn't transfer if he was told he was going to be backup. So. Uh, I I ultimately think it's Dart. I, I think that he uh, I think his upside is 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 really good. I I think he's poised to have a really big year in his second year in the offense. But there's there's a lot of there where it, it's going to be a very very entertaining uh, few months.
0: Sounds good. Obviously, a lot more sports going on at the moment. We don't really need to talk about Ole Miss men's basketball right now. How's the uh, that national championship baseball team looking? And how much have they brought back for 2023?
3: Yeah. Thank you for, uh, for, for sparing all of us on, on that front. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's great. I, I still can't believe the baseball season is already here if nothing else, because it's pouring outside in like 30 degrees and it just does not really seem like baseball weather. Um, but, you know, we, we met with them, I think it was last Friday and their sort of first media uh, opportunity. And, you know, the, the room does look different, you know, Tim Elko and and Kevin Graham and, and Justin bench and, Dylan DeLucia and these guys that um, everybody really kind of got to know, especially over the run in the Omaha and, you know, Elko a guy for the last few years, uh, you know, they're all gone. And, uh, you know, you, you look at, at what's coming back and you've got Jacob Gonzalez, who is a preseason All-American, probably a top five pick in the next draft. You've got Hunter Elliott, who was amazing as a freshman is probably going to get even better. You've got Grayson Sanier, who uh, was a really highly touted pitcher, Uh, you've got a lot of really good guys I think it's just it's it might look different because those familiar names aren't there and uh but man I I I think this is still going to be a really good team I think it's just going to be a little bit different
1: uh Michael I did want to say uh because I'm going to be going to Oxford for a series coming up but I'm sure it's the series that I don't know if Ole Miss is necessarily going to be penciling in but I'm sure their opponents definitely going to be penciling in in terms of just in importance of the series but Uh, looking at the non-conference schedule and especially looking at that Maryland series, being, you know, looking at what Maryland did last year, the guys that they're bringing in now, I think it's three preseason All-Americans. They're the top ranked team out of all the teams in the Big Ten. Um, How excited are you to see a series like that, to have a team that's kind of up and coming versus a team that just won the national championship, um, to have those two teams face off?
3: Yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. And I think that's a really cool theme of their non-conference schedule in general is the sort of Big Ten flair which is just not something that uh, I think happens a lot uh, it's I yeah Maryland was a really fun team to watch I remember watching them in the early parts of the tournament thinking they were going to go on a run and uh, you know and then obviously Ole Miss did its thing but uh, you know when you can get these sort of challenges uh, early in the season I mean with how good the SEC is going to be and how good we think LSU is going to be in Vanderbilt and you know, all these other teams uh, the more talented opposition you can play early the better and Maryland's That's going to be a really fun series. You know, they're playing Minnesota and stuff too out there. It's it's going to be a really fun uh, non-conference schedule for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely looking forward to baseball season, which gets underway in just a couple weeks now. Michael, thanks for stopping by today and appreciate the update. Yep, thanks guys. Of course, Mississippi State also getting started with the baseball season on February 17th against VMI. Game time has not yet been announced for the first couple weekends, but you have VMI and then you have Arizona State coming to Starkville before State plays uh, Southern Miss, got a couple of games against, I think, ULM in uh, midweek after the first series as well. When you guys look at, you know, who the baseball team has brought back, how excited are you guys getting for the season with, you know, two weeks to come until opening day?
1: I am beyond excited because uh, the team that I covered for four years in college played in a stadium that was, is basically landlocked and was built in the 60s and has like, 2,500 chair or, you know, not even chair back seats, just like there's seats and, and there's no chair backs to them. It's a very, very weird configuration. Uh, and from there, I get to go to the largest capacity stadium in college baseball and get to see what an atmosphere is like there. And you mentioned Arizona state, you know, the PAC 12 notoriously, one of the best conferences in college baseball, uh, Arizona state producing some of the best players in baseball history. Um, that's going to, that's going to be a very exciting series. I'm I'm really curious to see how they fare against Southern Miss. I think that that's going to be really, really interesting. And, you know, Southern Miss isn't – despite them playing in the Sun Belt, they got to the Super Regionals for a reason last year, and they were really, really talented. And they hosted a regional last year for a reason. You know, a a series like that, kind of in the non-conference – Um, playing teams like they're going to be playing that are going to be local, especially teams like Southern Miss is going to be really, really beneficial to Mississippi state after kind of the season that happened last year, one that was a down season from what a lot of people expected coming off the natty and the, um, the freshman class that they brought in the transfers that they brought in, it seemed like there's a lot of excitement surrounding them for good reason. So I, I think that there's, a lot of teams and a lot of series in this early schedule that I think are really going to benefit uh, Mississippi state come the sec. And I'm really excited to see how they fare against those teams and how they kind of prepare themselves for what's going to happen in conference play.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Somebody I talked to a couple of days ago made a good point that last year they were tested right off the bat with long beach state. I think it might behoove Mississippi state to kind of have a easier team to play in BMI. I mean, they weren't very good last year, obviously in a small conference When you don't have to have the test right out of the gate, it might kind of help to just get in the groove and warm up a little bit. You saw a state lose that series to Long Beach State and kind of, you know, uh, be out of uh, in disarray for a little bit and for the rest of the season as well. It's good to have those non-conference tests like Arizona State, Southern Miss, a couple other teams that they're going to play like Louisiana. But I think maybe just having, you know, a series to kind of work out the kinks where it's a little less pressure will help. Of course, you saw that last year against Northern Kentucky, and they still lost the game to them. So never know what's going to happen. couple weeks away, State obviously has a lot of talent back, and I think they're going to be a lot better this year. We'll see how much and whether they end up hosting, you know, two-seed or three-seed in the tournament, or if they miss it again, because a lot can happen. The SEC West is mm-hmm. stacked. LSU is really good this year. Arkansas is going to be good. You've got other good teams with Tennessee and Vanderbilt in the East. should be an interesting season, and like you said, Alex, definitely excited.
2: Yeah, I, I think a, an opponent like that early, too, is good for a team that, I mean, they've got was it four or five seniors on the roster, and then a couple of graduates, and then it's a lot of juniors and sophomores from there. So, uh, for a team that, over the last couple of years, you know, they, they lost a lot of championship pieces, and then they lost, um, you know, a couple of big pitchers last year, um trying to find itself, I think th- this is this is a pretty good start for them, uh, even with the preseason tournament in Texas coming up pretty quick.
0: Yeah, Casey Hunt said the other day, you know, put it into perspective, we have 13 returning guys and 30 new guys. And when you put it like that, I mean, the roster has changed, and they always do so much year over year. A ton of freshmen coming in, as always. Several transfers like Colton Ledbetter and Amani Larry that should make impacts and probably start right away. Connor Heisick from VCU as well. Excited to watch uh switch pitcher Gerangelo Sinche. That'll be really fun, I think. And uh looking forward to seeing him. I know he pitched in a scrimmage the other day. They have some more scrimmages Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this week. So I'll have to try to get out to one and kind of watch this team before they start getting going. What, Do you know what's what's the rule
2: on that? Is is there like can he have both gloves up there with him? And he can just switch at will, or does he have to like signal no, to the I, umpire I he when he's, he's switching hands?
1: I think he has a six-finger glove, so he can literally just change it. And then he has to go to the umpire and signal which side he's going to go to before the batter. And then once the batter's over, then he can say, I'm going to switch or I'm going to stay on the same thing.
0: That's right, yeah. And the scrimmages this weekend are 2.45 on Friday and 12.15 on both Saturday and Sunday. Hopefully it's not raining. We've also got uh, men's basketball on Saturday against Missouri. Missouri just coming off wins over Iowa State and LSU. Mississippi State, of course, having beaten TCU and South Carolina, and they're kind of getting back in the swing of things now, especially that road win was really good for them to kind of get some confidence after what was a very fun, honestly, overtime game against TCU in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Obviously, Big 12 won that one pretty handily, but SEC gave them a couple ones with Missouri and State. Those are both teams that kind of opposite. Missouri has one of the best offenses in the country, Mississippi State has one of the better defenses in the country and not as good an offense. I think it should be an interesting matchup stylistically. And it's obviously in Starkville at five o'clock on Saturday being at home. I mean, it's a game that state would really like to win, especially when you go to Mizzou in a couple weeks. So I think state's going to have to get that one if they're looking to make this tournament run late in the season.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I was thinking about recording last week. It was, Um, the Thursday after they had that heartbreaker at Alabama and everyone was so down on the program because they were only 1-7 and in the SEC and we were looking a little bit up on the women's team because they had just gone on a three game winning run and then that Thursday night they got blown out by Ole Miss and then they go to uh, Georgia and get blown out. Meanwhile, Mississippi State men's team upset the number 11 team in the country and then get an SEC win and you know, now kind of looking up for them. Oh, so
1: so are we expecting the opposite to happen this week? Yeah, so I'm saying we should, we
2: should be careful about which mood we're going to be in talking about these
0: teams. <laughs> yeah, what's happening to the women's team right now? Like, what, what is going on with them? And do you think they can kind of right the ship against Tennessee on Monday?
2: It's going to be really tough because uh, the last time they faced Tennessee, as good a game as they had shooting the ball, uh Debrisha Poe in particular was uh you know lights out shooting and her three point shooting especially um Rakia Jackson came back to haunt Mississippi State um I think it, Tennessee kind of highlighted what was becoming a bigger concern for Mississippi State which is um what do you do defending the paint when it's just Jessica Carter because they didn't have Remani Parker at the time uh Danae Carter ended up being hurt I believe in that game uh and uh in what turned out to be a a sprain in her knee that's going to keep her out for a little while, Um, which is really unfortunate because she, of course, had the injury last year at the end of January, right as the SEC got going, they kept her out for the rest of the year. Um, And Danae Carter is huge for Mississippi State's rebounding. So rebounding has been part of it. And then I would say the rest has mostly been down to their uh, bad habits on offense, which result in cold streaks and – when that happens, they have this tendency where certain quarters the other team just goes lights out shooting. They'll score 20 to 30 points, something like that. And that's what happened in both of these past two games. Um, the first quarter, Ole Miss came out and just blew Mississippi State out of the water. They set the tone, and they never really handed it back. Uh, Georgia, it was the first quarter and then the third quarter when it looked like Mississippi State were maybe trying to get some momentum back. Um, and Georgia just put the game away, so... Um, Purcell talked about it a little bit in on the on the call in Athens with media, um, after the game, and really focused on, you know, they just have to get better at not being down on themselves when they're not making shots. They've they, they got to start being better on offense, and it's it's it was as simple as that for him, and that's kind of been a problem for them all season. It's as talented as they are, and uh, with as many good scores as they have, uh, they just have these really really bad cold streaks that end up costing them games
0: are they a tournament team right now so they were on the
2: bubble um going into these two games that they lost and i think they were 36 in the net rankings so if things kind of continue where you know they kind of finish about 500 in SEC and then potentially have a good tournament run in the SEC. I could see them making the tournament, but uh, right now it's not looking good if they're not able to, you know, fix things because they they've, they've only got a few games left. I think it's seven games left that they have.
0: Yeah. I think for the men's team, it's kind of similar. You need to finish about 500 in the SEC. It's kind of interesting because, you know, the women's team started off better and now they're kind of coasting a little bit. And the men's team, I feel like, you know, recency bias alone, if they close the season well, maybe they don't have quite the resume that you're supposed to. Maybe that'll get them in just the way they played in their last 10 games or whatever. Obviously, three quad one wins already against Marquette, Utah, and now TCU. Those are going to be big victories for them going forward. Obviously, would have liked to pick up one of those Alabama games or Tennessee, another one of those victories, but pretty good resume in that regard. They just need to stack SEC wins and starting to, but. It's going to take going six and three, maybe seven and two for the rest of the SEC schedule. So we'll see how that goes.
2: Yeah, so uh, looking at bracketology right now, Mississippi State are currently the first team out uh, for ESPN's women's bracketology. And then the last team in is Georgia. So that kind of shows, you know, not just the strength of the SEC, but also the fine margins that they're playing with some of these teams against um, because a lot of them have kind of a similar record uh, to Mississippi State right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're in February now. This is kind of getting real. I mean, March Madness, you know, still six weeks, still plenty of games to go, but kind of excited to see where those teams end up stacking up. Be nice to know have a team for state men's at least that hasn't had a team in the tournament in four years to at least have them on the bubble or like potentially considered, you know, by last year at the end, you kind of knew this team wasn't going to, be in the ncaa tournament ended up in the nit especially with the roster troubles and losing so many guys in the transfer portal and molinar leaving i think you know it'd be great for state to be you know close obviously nit experience would help but nobody remembers the nit so if they can get in the ncaa tournament somehow that would be huge for them this year
2: yeah i think just for chris jans and purcell in general um you know being able to get some of these positive winning runs that they've had uh in non-conference if they can finish out with you know stronger play in the sec that'll be obviously be huge for them but um both of them came in with difficult situations um the the men's program especially has been you know sort of up and down under howland and in the three years under rick ray they were basically a non-competitive team so um you know it It's not easy to come in year one and get a team to the tournament, especially, you know, a team like Mississippi State that has been in and out of basketball um, for both men's and women's teams in terms of competitiveness. But um, uh, the fact that they're there, I think, is a little bit positive uh, for
0: both teams. To both you guys, I know the answer probably would have been different about a week ago. As of right now, do you predict that the men's team or women's team will finish with a better record this year
1: and why? Oh man, that is a tough question. Um, I I feel like if it's gonna be I I can't predict who's gonna have a better record right now, but I feel like it's going to be a difference of a few games, if that maybe like one or two games. Like honestly, in the back of my head, I'm like they could just have the same record by the end of the year. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they both finished with the same record. Um. I don't know. That's, that, that's, that, that's kind of where I'm leaning, leaning right now. Uh, and then maybe the women's team having a better record by like one or two games. But again, like the margins are going to be very, very fine. Um, very, very finite margins for something like this.
2: Yeah, I think the women are going to have to get one of the two games against Tennessee and Arkansas at home. Playing LSU and Baton Rouge is going to be really tough. That's their last SEC game. But um, they've got to get one of those against the two, you know, teams that are sort of above them that they have left on their schedule. Uh, Missouri is similar to them in in that um they're kind of close to the bubble range. Uh, so going to Columbia and getting a result there is gonna be big too. But they've got Texas AM's on a down year, Florida's not that great, Alabama's okay. Um, They've, they've got to win all three of those games pretty much. Um, but, yeah, Arkansas and Tennessee come to Starkville, they've got to put on a strong showing against both of those teams and hopefully win at least one of them.
0: Yeah, should be interesting to see how these results play out. Everything could completely change by next Thursday when we record this, so we'll see what happens right. until then. But uh, Alex and Colin, thanks for joining me today, and we'll check in with you guys next week.